like to thank you for joining me for today's podcast. Today, we are honored to have Dr. Royai with us, and he is going to be telling us a little bit about his recent paper that was published in the April edition of Hepatology, entitled Resection of Hepatocellular Cancer Less Than or Equal to 2 Centimeters, Results from Two Western Centers. So thank you for joining me today, Dr. Royai, and honored to have you with us. It's my pleasure to join you. Well, this is a, a very interesting paper, and you kind of set it up. You, you, you talk about the Asian data, the five-year survival rate being roughly 70% for lesions that are less than or equal to two centimeters, and maybe the Western data published up until your paper, maybe not so good. You dive into some of the ablative techniques, radiofrequency ablation in particular, Good results, maybe, maybe not, maybe as good as as resection, and that's kind of your background. And from there, you tell us a little bit about about how you started this study and, and maybe some of the the basics behind the methodology. Sure. So, what really prompted us to write this paper was two different uh, manuscripts that I saw in the literature. The first was a review of the SEER Western database by Pollock and published in Annals of Surgery where they found that in the U.S. for tumors less than two centimeters undergoing resection, they were getting a five-year survival of 48 or 49%, which to me seemed surprisingly low and at least at that point anecdotally not, uh, not similar to what we were seeing here at our own center. And then this paper by Livraghi in um, hepatology in um, 2008 where they showed excellent results with ablation for these tumors. And it really made me wonder, well, maybe we should be using ablation instead of resection for these patients. But something in, in the back of my mind kept telling me, I don't think these are the results we're getting here at Mount Sinai. So it prompted me to review our own results. And actually, our results at Sinai were quite good for resecting tumors less than two centimeters. But we had very few patients, although we were, I noticed that we were seeing more and more of them recent, in, in the more recent era compared to the past. And so then I contacted Dr. Mazzaferro from uh, the uh, National Tumor Institute in Milan to see if he would be willing to collaborate with us and and give us their series uh, to put together so that we had enough patients to do a a meaningful study. And so with their help, we were able to accrue a total of um, 132 patients with tumors less than two centimeters and started our analysis. Now, that is fantastic. You're able to collaborate the way you did with Milan on this. The criteria for screening these people as far as imaging studies may be slightly different, correct? It is true. In Europe, they have access to contrast-enhanced ultrasound, whereas in the United States, we don't. And so that um, finding uh, tumors this small on screening, I think, is probably more likely to happen in Europe and uh, than it is to happen here. I think also body habitus is, a, is another issue that uh, really limit the uh, effectiveness of ultrasound as a screening method here in the U.S. And you, uh, you enroll child's A cirrhotics and then non-cirrhotics, but you, you, uh, you didn't go past child's A in your enrollment, correct? 
at Sinai, we've really limited our, our resections to child's A patients. And in um, Milan, uh, they do allow for patients beyond child's A and with portal hypertension as long as they have well-preserved liver function. As it turned out, all of these tumors less than two centimeters were, were all child's A, whether they were from New York or from, from Milan. Okay. And along the way, and I didn't see this necessarily in the paper. Maybe it was and I overlooked it. The etiologies of liver disease, did you track that as well? We did look. So in New York, we have a huge Asian population. We have about a million Chinese people uh, living in New York City. And so you can see that actually a third of the patients had hepatitis B as their underlying liver disease. And we're also, our hospital is located in East Harlem, which has a high rate of hepatitis C. And the Italians also have a high rate of hepatitis C. So about half the patients were hepatitis C. That's right. That It's on table one there. You had about 8% or 8 patients, 5% with alcoholic liver disease. And then a smattering of other, I can imagine that may have some non-alcoholic fatty liver in there as well. Exactly. And then you also had 79 patients that underwent radiofrequency ablation during the same time period that you looked at the surgical, your surgical data, correct? That is correct. And although it's hard to make a direct comparison to the resection patients because our criteria and Milan's criteria for RFA are very different than it is for resection. So we didn't feel that it was a fair comparison to make between those two two groups. But just to provide some context in terms of how many patients are being treated with other modalities, we provided that data. Well, tell us a little bit about your top-line results. What were... uh... What were the main the main points you found in the study? So there's a few things that were surprising and a few things that were reassuring. The first thing was that we get good results with resection. The five-year survival was 70% for all comers. And then if you limited it to patients with not significant portal hypertension, and it didn't matter if you used a platelet count of 150 or 100,000, the results of the five-year outcomes were above 70%, close to 80%. So uh, that the results from our two centers, which are pretty high-volume Western centers for HCC, were more in line with what the Japanese have been reporting in terms of their long-term outcomes and not so much in line with what we saw from the SEER database review. So that was reassuring in terms of the fact that we're not hurting the patients by resecting these early tumors. The other things that were surprising were how many of them had a microvascular invasion or satellite lesions. And even two patients had gross vascular invasion. So that um, somewhere between a quarter and a third of the patients, even with these such small tumors, are going to have histological features that uh, go along with a more advanced cancer. I called that my sobering fact for this paper, 27% yes. you reported having microvascular invasion, 12% with satellite lesions, despite being, you know, itty-bitty tumors. Yeah, it was surprising to us also. And um, the other surprising thing was, you know, I always thought, okay, you resect a two-centimeter tumor, get some good margins, and you've likely cured the patient. But the recurrence rate w- was 68%. Really surprising. Was that within uh, it's three years? I'm trying to... 68% how, how, at five years. At five years. 68 at five years, and uh, somewhere around 17% at uh, at one year. So still, even with tumors of 
this small, recurrence was still a significant problem. A couple of other interesting... And um, so we had never been able to before show that anatomic resection actually makes a difference in terms of outcome. And I think that the reason had been that the tumors that we were looking at in the past were so big and the microvascular invasion was so extensive that it probably didn't make a difference if you did anatomic resection or not. But I think for the first time now, from a Western series, we can see if you limit it to small tumors before, you know, the proverbial horse is out of the barn, anatomic resection can make a difference. And our recurrence rate was about 20% lower at five years if you did anatomic resection versus non-anatomic. Again, another finding that corroborates what the Japanese had showed us in the past but I think we were just looking at tumors that were already too big and beyond the point where anatomic resection was going to make much of a difference. Okay. I'm looking at table two. You know, you, you looked at a lot of variables trying to predict survival and recurrence. You put it in a univariant analysis. You then did a multivariant. You generated a rock curve. And you can see those data presented in table two very nicely. One thing that strikes me, I'm looking at your fibrosis score zero to three, you had 38 patients that were non-serotic, theoretically. Whether they really were or not, you know, there may be some variability in the biopsy, or was maybe this was based on the resected specimen. This was based on the resected specimen. Okay, so clearly, you know, you had a decent number that were not serotic, and it looks like their outcomes were not as good. I'm looking at the non-serotic patients now, what you're looking at in Table 2 is time to recurrence, and so, so time actually... Time to event, and then the three-year and five-year outcome. Those are recurrence. Oh, those are recurrence. Uh, percent okay. recurrence. If you look at the Table 2, the top half is survival, the bottom half is recurrence, so that it has a, they have a lower recurrence rate, as I we were just talking so. about. Got you. And then your main predictors, and when you look at your ROC, were platelet count, and an INR, predictors of survival. Well, I was just wanting to see if you could comment on that briefly, particularly the platelet count I found interesting, which is a marker of portal hypertension. Sure. So we used rock curve analysis to choose the optimal cutoff of platelets for, for these patients, and they gave us, the rock curve gave us a cutoff somewhere around 148,000. So we just rounded up to 150,000. And, you know, just by chance, half the patients had platelet counts below 150,000 and half over 150,000. And you can see that the survival was almost doubled based on this cutoff of platelet count. We decided to also look at the uh, traditional cutoff that people have used of 100,000 in terms of representing significant portal hypertension. Many people use it as a cutoff as to whether to go ahead with resection or not. And that also was, on in univariate analysis, significant, but just based on rock curve analysis, it's not surprising that the 150,000 cutoff was the more was the more significant cutoff and actually came out on multivariate analysis as, a, as an independently associated with, with survival. So at the end of the day, you, you concluded that resection of lesions that were less than or equal to two centimeters was safe and gave you excellent results in Western centers, which would be New York and Milan. But recurrence continued to be a significant problem, highlighted by the fact that there was a decent number, maybe 
you would call it a significant number, a third almost, a quarter to a third with microvascular invasion, another 12% with satellite lesions. You had talked a little bit about some of the limitations of a study like this, in addition to the retrospective nature. Can you comment a little bit on this? Is this ready for prime time, or or, uh, can we feel confident that our data is as good as the Asian data? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this the retrospective nature is a is an issue. And second, the sample size is an issue. We only had 132 patients. But if you look at our two centers, which are two of the highest volume centers in the West, and over the span of this study, which was somewhere close to 18 years, I think, we these two centers could only accrue 132 patients out of over 2,000 liver resections done. It really goes to show that how far we are behind in terms of surveillance for HCC in the West compared to places like Japan. But I think as more and more people are undergoing surveillance, we're going to come across this problem more and more often. And whether it's robust enough to say definitively that our results are similar to the Japanese, I think that when you have two studies looking at the same patient population and coming up with similar results, it really you can I believe it more rather than if like our small study was showing something completely contradictory to what larger Asian studies have shown in the past. Sure. So two different, completely different patient populations finding similar results. And that's certainly encouraging. So Dr. Royai, where do we go from here? What's, what's the next step you think? Next step, I think I'd like to preface that. I'd like to just say one other surprising thing for us was that the, what a, the very early tumors, the BCLC stage 0 or the the Japanese stage T1, which are less than 2 centimeters, no vascular invasion, no satellites. And these guys had a a 5-year recurrence rate of 60%. So where we go from here is it becomes very clear that we need effective adjuvant treatment if we're going to make an impact on the outcome of uh, resecting HCC. Even small tumors that are histologically very early, have a recurrence rate that's surprisingly high. And without good adjuvant therapy, we're going to have to deal with a lot of recurrences. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time today. This has been excellent. Uh, Your discussion of taking us through your paper has been very enriching and rewarding for me and hopefully for the listeners as well. Look forward to many more uh, publications and data from you and your group as you help us shed light on this very important topic. I appreciate the invitation to do this podcast. It was a real pleasure. All right. Well, that concludes our podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I hope you go out and have a super weekend and keep up the awesome work you're doing. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.